0: Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing, the show where busy people like you learn how to build substantial passive income while creating wealth for the long term. And now, here's your host, Marco Santarelli. Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Marco Santarelli, and I just got back from Sandestin, Florida. No, it wasn't a vacation, unfortunately, but I did have a good time. It's amazing down there. It's beautiful. The weather is warm. It's very humid. The sand is white and soft. The uh, ocean is very clear and the water is warm. I think someone told me it was 85 degrees Fahrenheit, which is like bath water. It was incredible. But I wasn't there on vacation. I was actually there presenting to a group of professionals, mostly dentists and some doctors. And we were talking about investing and everything related to that. Um, my main presentation there was about how to achieve extraordinary returns with out-of-state real estate investing, which is exactly what we talk about all the time and what we do here. So it was you know interesting to see. I'm in a room of um, well-educated people who are fun and bright and well-educated and great at what they do in their profession. But it just reminded me of the fact that Our education system, our school system, the things that we are exposed to focus on academic education and professional education. But there's still such a lack of financial education, which is why these masterminds form all around the country. They come together in an effort to help one another, help each other, and learn everything they can about investing, whether it's Um, real estate or the stock market or alternative investments and asset protection and financing and the economy and where interest rates are going. These are things that I enjoy learning about. Maybe you don't, maybe you have a partial interest and you learn what you can from books and from podcasts and whatnot. But the more you learn, you know, the more you earn, that's just the general saying, the more you learn, the more you earn. During that, um, that presentation that I did to this group, I asked the question early on in my, in my, in my presentation, I said, finish the following sentence. Ignorance is blank. And I paused for a moment and most everybody said bliss almost at the same time. No one answered the question properly. At least no one answered that question the way I wanted it answered. And the answer that I gave them was ignorance is expensive. You don't know what you don't know, and what you don't know is costing you money, it's costing you opportunity, it's costing you time. When you understand an investment or an investment strategy, then you understand what to look for. You know the difference between a good investment and a bad investment or a great investment. You know, good is the enemy of great. You don't want a good investment, you want a great investment, and so. I like to say that ignorance is expensive. It's not bliss. Bliss is sticking your head in the sand. Understanding that ignorance is expensive motivates me to learn more, to expand my knowledge, to read more books, to listen to more podcasts and audiobooks, and 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 to really just explore and experiment in new things. So anyway, it was a good time. I'm back. I, I was traveling for the last two weeks quite extensively, so I apologize for missing a few episodes. But uh, I'm back and someone was asking me some questions the other day and I realized that I keep getting emails from people with questions, um, you know, my Ask Marco questions. So you can click Ask Marco at the top of the website at PassiveRealEstateInvesting.com and submit your question. I answer almost every single one of those via email. So uh, you will get a response from me, maybe not right away, but I will reply. However, I'd like to handpick some of those, and I'd like to do all of them, but I'd like to handpick some of those and cover them from time to time on the podcast here. And so this is another Ask Marco episode, and I've picked three or four questions here um, that kind of span the gamut, and I'm going to talk about those right now. So the first question is from a gentleman named Thomas. He says, hello, Marco. I'm a young investor who is looking to begin building a real estate portfolio I have just started listening to your podcast every day on my daily commute to work. I really enjoy the content, and the podcast gets me excited to begin investing in turnkey properties. I was wondering what your what you recommended what your recommended amount of capital is to get started in real estate to begin buying B grade neighborhood properties in linear markets. Thank you for your time, Thomas. Well, Thomas, it sounds like you have been listening to a lot of the episodes because the way you constructed that sentence talking about B grade neighborhoods, in linear markets, it sounds like you understand the differences. Um, good question. So the uh, the gist of your question here is how much recommended capital? Well, let's just put it this way. <clears throat> the range of properties that are sold in the Midwest and through the South Southeast, which covers pretty much the 18 markets that we're in today, have a price range of $80,000 to about $160,000 the median price of what is being purchased as a single family detached home is right around the $120,000 mark. So I don't know what your investment goals and criteria are, so I can't really put you in a box to, um, you know, to give you a specific number, but I can make some assumptions here, and I can just give you a, a, an, an example that will help you in doing your math. And the math is actually pretty simple. So let's take a $120,000 property, Actually, let's, let's make it even simpler. Let's take a $100,000 property. Conventional financing today, which is the cheapest money, it's basically subsidized, it's artificially low because it's coming from two government-sponsored entities, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Uh, that financing is available to you with a minimum of 20% down. So they will lend you 80% of the purchase price and you come up with a 20% down payment. So a $100,000 property, you have 20% down, that's $20,000. Let's just assume 2000 to 2500 in closing costs. And let's just assume that you're going to put a little on reserve, at least in the beginning for your first few properties for um, you know a, a slush fund, a rainy day fund, a maintenance and repair fund. So that's $20,000 plus, let's just call it, Two thousand dollars in closing costs plus another two to three thousand in reserves, which is 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 good enough, uh, puts you right around the twenty five thousand dollar mark per property. Now, if you've got that in savings or in other accounts or in paper assets, now you're well on your way. So, B, going back to your other question here, B grade neighborhood properties in the markets that we're in today, typically those are going to be in the hundred to hundred and thirty thousand dollar price range when you get into the hundred thirty 150 plus you're typically in a or a minus type neighborhoods again this is market specific so let's not get hung up on that the bottom line is is this I would just say as a general rule of thumb twenty five thousand dollars plus or minus is enough to get you that next property so per property per single family, uh, single family um residential property Detached home, twenty twenty five, twenty three thousand is is what you need. Um, now, if if you have more than that, great. You know, some people have hundreds of thousands of dollars. We work with clients who literally have seven hundred and fifty thousand plus, and we have clients who have just accumulated their first twenty twenty five thousand dollars, and they're just getting started. And there's quite a wide range there. Um, the point is, is get started. If you haven't, if you're, if you've got the momentum and you're building a portfolio, it can become addictive. Just keep building that portfolio. Um, and you know, educate yourself. I mean, that's my number one rule of successful real estate investing. Keep, keep learning and keep educating yourself. So Thomas, I'm not sure if I've completely answered your question, but that is where I would begin as a young investor. Remember I started when I was 18 and it was a town home. It was the only thing I could afford, but I could qualify for financing. I think it was about $40,000 way back when, and uh, my biggest regret, as I've said many times, is selling that property. I I held it for a number of years. It appreciated. I had a fair amount of equity in it, Um, but I was very short-sighted. The dumb thing I did was sell that property, and that's something that you really shouldn't do. Hang on to it, and if you're really wanting to sell it, selling it is not the way to go. You should do a tax deferred exchange and actually leverage that into more property. So, um, anyway, I hope that helps. Um, next question is from Aaron. Aaron says, um, my husband's mother passed away and left her home to her four children. We are thinking of buying the siblings out and renting out the home. Great location. One block from the beach, the rent income, would leave us between $500 and $600 short each month, meaning it would not cover the mortgage and insurance, etc. Is this something we should seriously consider or walk away from as an investment? Well, Aaron, um, first of all, um, my condolences uh, to you and your husband for the passing. Um, If you've inherited this home, uh, you and the others, I mean, this is really... Pretty simple. If, if you've got negative cash flow in the five to $600 range per month, and that probably, I'm guessing, doesn't even include budgeting for vacancy, maintenance, and repairs. If that's the case, you've got a very upside down property. Upside down in the sense of cash flow, not necessarily equity. I don't know what the equity is in that property. It doesn't really say here, but the fact that you're willing to buy out the other siblings tells me that there's probably equity there. My suggestion, and again, I'm not telling you what to do, I'm telling you what I would do. Uh, I would see if they would buy you guys out. I would take that equity and invest it into cash flow positive investments, cash flow positive real estate. If if this is upside down, I don't see what the motivating factor is to keep this. If there's some sentimental value, um, you know, that's all well and fine, but I wouldn't mix emotion with investing because with investing, you want to be uh, objective and, and keep emotion completely out of it. Because if you mix emotion with, um, with logic, you're going to make bad decisions. So my suggestion is to, um, you know, again, I, I don't know what the rest of the situation is here, but just basing this on the cash flow, which is quite negative. I would, uh, sell the property with your, um, other three siblings or um, just have them buy you out, uh, you know, your quarter of the fair market value or whatever that share is in the equity and take that, take that that equity and turn it into um, one or more properties that will produce positive cash flow. So that one's pretty simple. I don't think I'm missing anything there, um, but hopefully that's helpful. Okay, so the next question is from Steve from Milwaukee. Um, this is actually within the context of some other stuff in an email. He says, uh, You don't talk a lot about multifamily housing, duplexes, triplexes, quadplexes. You seem not to have a lot of inventory of that type, which is true. That might be a topic for a future podcast. What's the rationale for not having many of these? Price point for standard buyer, lack of value add opportunities, other question uh, mark. Steve, you know, great observation, good question. The, the fact of the matter is, is that duplexes, triplexes and quadplexes as you go up in size they become smaller and smaller in quantity. Uh it is hard enough to get single family detached homes at least good quality what I'll refer to as turnkey rental properties in good neighborhoods today and those are single families which are by far the most abundant product type or property type in the country. They're very common, they're pretty much everywhere and then as you get you know, into duplexes, triplexes, and quadplexes, and even larger, um, it's like going up a pyramid. You know, it just becomes uh, smaller and smaller or fewer and fewer in size and in quantity. So it's not that we don't want duplexes, triplexes, and and fourplexes or quadplexes. We do. In fact, when we have them, they sell very quickly. Investors are not all, but many are very interested in that type of multi-unit product. The problem is, is that they're, they're uh, hard to find, um, especially in the markets that we operate in and in turnkey condition through you know our, our relationships, our boots on the ground. Now, we do get them from time to time. And uh, when we get them, often they uh, move very quickly. So if you are working with one of our investment counselors, my suggestion is to let them know that you do have an interest in a duplex, triplex, or quadplex. And then when we know they're coming down the pipe, and they're coming into the, our part, pipeline we can let you know about them before they actually go up on the website the reality is is that we have a lot of property on our website but not all of the properties that are coming down the pipeline actually make it on the web, website because when we work with clients they have specific criteria and we can kind of earmark those properties before they even hit the site now i will say as well that as I speak, we are onboarding very soon some new construction duplexes in Florida, uh, so keep an eye out for that. Um, and we still have, although there's a uh, a short, um, maybe it's not even a waiting list, but th- there's a reservation list and, and a six-month build time on new construction fourplexes, and those are in Houston and Salt Lake City and I believe in Idaho. So we still have those available, not in great supply, but we still have fourplexes and, and duplexes come and go. But I am looking to ramp up the number of new construction duplexes that are coming down the pipe. So it has nothing to do with price point. It has nothing to do with value add opportunities. It's often, and here's a little clue. The fact that I mentioned that these duplexes are new construction, and the four plexes are new construction, and we've been selling those for a few years. Uh, also, points the points out the fact that they are not abundant; they are fairly rare. They're hard to find. Now, if you go into some sketchier neighborhoods, what I'll call your C, C minus, and you know, hopefully, you don't look at any kind of D class neighborhoods. But when you get into those types of neighborhoods, you will start to find. Uh, More multi unit type properties. However, just remember what I've said in a previous episode. Um, Many of you, including myself, are not too fond of having a customer in that type of demographic, you know, the lower income. Uh, It has nothing to do with the person, but we just find that they are typically more transient, less stable financially, change jobs often, uh, and sometimes when they leave your property, they don't leave it clean. Uh, In fact, often there's a lot of wear and tear and sometimes damage. So personally, that's not my favorite. I like to stick to the B, B plus, A minus type neighborhoods. At least that's the middle of the bell curve for me. Um, But yes, so these multi-unit properties are usually new construction. And the reason for that is because anything else is hard to find. And so unless it's being built, you're not going to get your hands on it. So that's uh, that's the answer there, Steve. Uh, next question from Jake. Jake, you said, uh, "Hey there, would love to hear what you have to say on this dot dot dot." While I am saving up funds for my next rental property purchase, what should I do with those funds? Should I leave them in the bank, put them in the money market accounts, index funds, etc.? Question mark. I was thinking of investing the funds while saving up for another down payment to possibly help grow the funds a bit, but not sure if this is a good idea. Well, Jake. You know it it really doesn 't matter where you keep it. just keep it in a place where you 're not going to spend it or blow it on a doodad or something that 's just a consumer item you know if you're if you're saving and you're you're on a fast track to save as much as you can as fast as you can, you know building that top line um in your income streams so you can put that aside and uh and increase your deployable capital your investment capital as quickly as possible. Just put it somewhere where you know it's going to be safe and secure. And look, if if you're going to be saving the investment capital, that down payment in a short period of time, one, three, six months, I don't think it's going to make a lot of difference where you put it because the rate of return, in other words, the interest being paid or the yield on money market accounts or index funds is pretty nominal. So you know, if you're, if you at best, you're going to be able to keep up with inflation because you, you're getting 4%, maybe 5%, 6%. If you can get that great, get it, you know, but, um, savings account, you know, you're probably going to get 1% or less, um, money market accounts and index funds are, are pretty nominal. You know, it could be anywhere from two, three, five, six percent. Um, but just put it somewhere safe and, and just focus on the accumulation. You know, I like to think of going broke twice a year, save as much as you can, and use that deployment, uh, use that capital to deploy into um, investment property. You save as much as you can, create a chunk of cash, deploy that into um, assets that generate cash flow. And at that point, you're essentially broke, you know, quote, unquote, that doesn't mean that you're, you know, living on scraps, but you just have all your money deployed in the right investments, assets that create cash flow. So keep that in mind. Um, you, You just want to build up your investable cash as soon as possible and then put it into assets that generate income. Dave writes in and says, Hey, Marco, I've listened to other podcasts where they highlighted the difference between market value versus the appraised value of turnkey homes. They suggest that market value is the value where we should care about because that's the price the market will bear. Although there is truth in this statement, they fail to mention the importance of appraisals for back-end refinances and cash-out loans. Do you believe homes should sell for market or appraised values or a combination of both? Thanks, Dave. Dave, the truth is, is that those are one and the same. An appraisal is supposed to be a document by a professional who looks at market comparables to give you what the market value is. They're supposed to be telling you what the market is actually going to bear today. I mean, they're looking at comps, which are uh, historic numbers, but it could have been yesterday and the day before and the day before that. It's it's really just what has been selling in the market. So uh, don't get these things confused. Market value and appraised value are really the same thing. The appraised value is what the appraisal will show as the fair market value. So I'm not sure what, where you're hearing this or or what that means, but l- let me see if I can uh, comment on your other question here. Uh, actually, it's not even a question, but you said um, that the importance of this is for back-end refinances and cash-out loans. Maybe what you're thinking here is that you are acquiring something all cash and you're paying what you believe to be market value, and that's a, a one number, and that number might be different than what that property will appraise for. The thing is, is, it's worth what it's worth at any given time. So if you're looking to buy something all cash and then refinance to cash out, in other words, you're doing what's called a cash out refinance. And getting a loan for up to 80% of that market value, um, which would probably be similar to what your purchase price is, uh, then that's fine. It doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, if you're buying a property for $100,000 and all cash and it appraises for $100,000, you can just do a refinance and pull out 75, 80% of the money you put in. I don't see why you would want to do that anyway, because if you're going to buy something buy it with financing up front. Otherwise, you're going to have two sets of closing costs because you're going to do escrow um, and go through title twice, once for the cash purchase, and then the second time when you are working with your lender to refinance that property. So that wouldn't make sense anyway. Uh, I only see people do that when um, they need a very fast close and they only can purchase it with a an all-cash purchase because they need to close within a couple of weeks, or if your credit is borderline or your credit profile is borderline, you won't be able to qualify today, but you c- you have liquid capital to acquire one or more properties all cash. And then six months from now, or maybe three or nine months down the road, when you are able to uh, qualify for financing, you'll get financing and pull that money out. So that's the only time I see people purchase properties all cash. Otherwise, the leverage part is is one of the great advantages of being able to buy investment property. There really isn't any other asset class where a lender is willing to lend up to 80% of that purchase price. So that five to one leverage in real estate is pretty amazing because you can't do that in other in other investments. And that helps accelerate your wealth creation. And it also magnifies your cash on cash return, your rate of return on that, on that investment. So uh, anyway, I hope that helps, Dave. My last question here is from Tony, and Tony says, Hi, Marco. Really appreciate your podcast and your ongoing commitment to this project. I'm a Canadian and has certainly become interested in all the great stuff your company is doing. I'm just wondering if you could do an episode or have any resources with regards to foreigners investing in the U.S. real estate, particularly various implications for Canadians. Uh, Tony, yeah, we've covered uh, different topics on previous episodes as it relates to foreign national investors um and you know Canadians seem to be um probably the most active um, international buyer in the US um in addition to uh Asian buyers out of China um we've had a lot of activity from Australians and even some from uh Great Britain however there are resources so we've covered some topics including um financing and uh accounting Uh, One thing you might want to look into, and I don't remember the episode numbers, but uh, Integrated Financial Group, I interviewed Chris Pichiro, I believe that's how you pronounce it, Picciro, who talked about, um, you know, uh, uh, entity formations and tax planning and preparation as it relates to foreigners and how to best structure that so you are uh, taxed in the least and you're not double taxed. Um, So, Uh, Just go back. You could do a search on our website um, um, and look for, you know, certain keywords as it relates to international investing or foreign buyers, etc. But, yeah, so um, maybe we'll do another episode here in the near future that talks about, um, you know, investing in the U.S. from out of the country. Um, But for now, there are episodes that we've talked about um, as it relates to you. And also, there are some financing options now available to foreign investors. So uh, you can get, believe it or not, as much as 75%, sometimes 80% of the purchase price as a foreign investor. Now, this changes frequently. Lenders come out with programs and then they take them away or they change them. But there are some portfolio lenders here in the US that are willing to do that. So Um, you may want to give our investment counselors a call and explore that, that option. If that's something you're thinking about. All right, Tony. So I hope that helps. So there you have it. And now if you have a question about real estate or real estate investing, anything at all, just send that to me, go to passiverealestateinvesting.com. Click on ask Marco. There's a simple little form there, fill it out, click send, and I will reply to you via email. Uh, and if I like your question, actually, I like all the questions, but if I, uh, pick your question, I'll, I'll cover it on the podcast as well. So that way you have the email and we can share, um, whatever your question may be to our audience, our growing audience. And, you know, again, thank you for making this show a success. I appreciate you all. And, you know, we are in the top 10 of all iTunes business podcasts at this point in time. In fact, uh, the last I checked, you know, we were number five, right above Tim Ferriss. Uh, Dave Ramsey, and uh, who was the other person? Um, uh, Just slips my mind. Anyway, uh, thank you all for that. So uh, let me know what your questions are. I'm happy to answer them. Um, If you haven't subscribed to this podcast and you're listening to this, uh, please do so. Um, It's easy to do. There's just a quick button to click on your Android or your iPhone. Just subscribe Uh, We are on all the major platforms from iTunes to Stitcher to um, iHeartRadio, you name it. And, um, you know, love love having you guys as listeners. You know, I'm going to keep putting out good quality content for as long as I possibly can. I just want to help educate you and help you get on that path to financial freedom. Because my mission, our goal, is to help as many people as we can create financial freedom as possible through the amazing asset class known as real estate and more specifically income producing real estate, which is what we refer to as investment real estate. So we try to make that easy for you. It's really the easiest way to create wealth and passive income. So you can create the wheel yourself and take the time and assemble the team and do all the heavy lifting and the work yourself and take that active approach, or you can take a more passive approach where 70 to 80% of it is done. And that's what we, uh, what we offer So help us spread the word, you know, visit us on iTunes, leave us a rating and review. We greatly appreciate you doing that. I don't want to twist your arm, but I want you to be honest and, uh, you know, leave us a, um, you know, a, a review that is helpful to other listeners. And other than that, you know, if if you are um, on the fence or you're thinking about it and you just want to have a conversation with someone who is a real life, active, engaged real estate investor, give one of our investment counselors a call. We are offering free strategy sessions and, you know, it's really there to help you and answer your questions and share more of what we do to help you. So. Just uh, contact us or go to our website at noradarealestate.com. You can also get there from our podcast website as well. And that's it for this week. So thanks for listening and we'll see you on the next episode.